we need to give to ourselves, because if we give to ourselves, it's amazing how it all falls into line. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. Today, you get to hear from Dr. Trisha Pingel. Today's focus is on recognizing stress. We're going to chat about the nutritional impact of chronic low-grade stress that leads to future disease development. Dr. Trisha is going to encourage you to start prioritizing yourself and to set boundaries important to health and longevity because our current lifestyles and technology have a massive impact on our health. And she believes we become so accustomed to it that we're failing to recognize the significant impact stress has on our health. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Trisha Pingel, aka the Hip Hop Energy Doc, who is a naturopathic physician and energy expert. She has helped hundreds of people restore their health by showing them how to identify the stress causing their symptoms, restoring their nutrition depleted by stress, and assisting in changing their mindset to repel incoming stressors so that they can return to their happy, vibrant, and energetic selves. She's the author of The Total Health Turnaround, which has sold over 60,000 copies, creator of DIY programs like the 30-Day Total Health Turnaround, the 7-Day Ultimate Detox, and the 30-Day Walking for Weight Loss. She's the CEO of Total Health Apothecary and the CEO of Pingel Progressive Medicine, a naturopathic concierge medical practice. She's a health blogger and the host of Facebook and Instagram Weekly Lives Ask Dr. Pingel. She has appeared on lots of TV shows and she has contributed as an expert to many publications. It's no secret that this mom, doctor, and hip-hop enthusiast is known as the hip-hop energy doc. Dr. Pingle is commonly found dancing all over social media, cheering on her two boys at football, creating healthy vegan recipes in her kitchen, and snuggling her three dogs and cat at home with her husband in Phoenix, Arizona. After experiencing her own health struggles and personal loss, she strives in creating a community of positivity, gratitude, and living every day to its fullest potential. Welcome to the show, Dr. Pingle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I don't even know how to pronounce your name. Did I say that right? Pingle. Pingle, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, tell us your story. How did you become the Hip Hop Energy Doc? You know, I think I was coined a hip hop energy doc because I love to dance, but getting into, you know, and I just feel like, I guess I live every day to its fullest potential. And I've been through so much in my life where I feel like doors have been shut or I've been down on things or whatnot. And I just came to a point in my life where I thought, you know what, we have a limited amount of time on this planet and we might as well spend it doing things that we love to do. And I would say that dance is probably my favorite thing. I mean, I don't think you ever see me on the dance floor. I'm not worrying about anything else. I think it's it's probably my my biggest stress reliever. So that's how I became the hip hop energy doc. And then I figured, well, heck, let's take it to social media and see if people like it. And people do. And I think there's a lot of dancers out there that are afraid to get up and do it because they're afraid of what people will think. But there is so much beauty in dance when it comes to stress reduction and health and exercise and just mood. You just got to keep moving. I love it. So tell us, have you always had this energy? Kind of tell us a little bit about your personal struggles and how you got into specifically treating adrenal fatigue. Because I want to get into adrenal fatigue. I think a lot of us, a lot of the listeners have this. So did you struggle with that? Was that part of your story? Absolutely. I kind of went into medicine from two different perspectives. One, I was that person that was always going to the doctor who wasn't necessarily sick or diseased, 
but not well, you know, losing hair, low muscle mass, feeling tired, not sleeping well, horrible menstrual periods, horrible gut health. I mean, I was bloated. I had stomach aches from the time I was little. And every time I'd go to the doctor, it was like, hey, you need to go to a therapist. There's nothing wrong with you. You're perfectly fine. You're healthy. Get over it. So I went through most of my life with that type of response, I guess, from the conventional medical system. And then when I became a young adult, I experienced a lot of loss. I've lost my dad. I've lost my mom. I've lost my grandparents. Everyone who is around me has passed on. And when they were going through their health struggles, I was there trying to be their patient advocate and dealing with medicine on the other side and not getting the education that I needed to help me feel good and helping them. So all of that kind of came to a head in my late 20s. And I said, you know what? There has to be a better way to have more patient education, um, more proactive ways to forward your health. And I ended up landing in naturopathic medicine. If you can believe it, I was originally going to be a veterinarian. That was my path. Which is why I have, you know, three dogs, several and cats, cats and dogs, fish tanks, and what it, you know. Um, but I switched it. I was ready to go to vet school and came across naturopathic medicine and said, you know what? Like with everything I've gone through, and I still wasn't well at the time, to be honest. I, I really wasn't where I wanted to be. But I started on that path, started seeing a naturopath myself, and started to realize that I really didn't have a lot to do. It was just small little tweaks. It was just somebody sitting down and looking at me from a holistic point of view and saying, look, your diet needs some adjustment here. You know, these herbs can really help you. Here's where all this is coming from. And I started to just improve with that. On top of that, also experiencing my own adrenal fatigue because I went through medical school. I had two babies. I had a husband. I'm a very driven person. I was exhausted and I was sitting in an office visit one day. I'll never forget it. And I was talking to a patient and she was 100% me. Like I was looking in a mirror and she was like, this is how I feel. This is what I need. This is where I feel lost, whatnot. And I, I darn near almost started crying during the office visit because I thought, okay, (laughs) I know. I thought, no, this is me too. And if I can sit here and I can help these people, I can help myself. And that I think is the turning point for me personally to where I said, okay, I'm no good to other people if I'm not taking care of myself. And my patients are no good to other people if they're not taking care of themselves. So why don't we go on this journey together as a doctor and a patient and let's heal each other. And I think there was just a turning point for me. I started doing my own protocols. I started really paying attention to my outlook on life, prioritizing myself and Amazingly, now I have more energy. I do more. I can take better care of my patients. I enjoy my life. I enjoy my work. And I think so often, Stephanie, we think that we always have to be at the bottom of our list in order to be productive. We have to give to everybody else so that we can get it all done. When in reality, we need to give to ourselves because if we give to ourselves, it's amazing how it all falls into line. Totally. So long story short, that's how I ended up here. (laughs) Those for my listeners who have heard my story, that's kind of why I wrote my book and created my blueprint as well, the longevity blueprint, right? The name of the podcast, because I was struggling with issues and I was helping patients. And I thought, man, I'm treating other people and not treating myself. So let's create this protocol that I too can follow to regain my health. So our stories sound a little similar in that. Um, But I also think I've had adrenal fatigue. I think I still have some degree of that. So let's define that for the listener. So what exactly is adrenal fatigue? I think we all have it because we now live in a society where we're just constantly stimulated. So adrenal fatigue ultimately means 
that the adrenal glands are dysregulated. They're not working as they're supposed to. Now, this could mean that cortisol is too high. This could mean that it's too low. This could mean that it's in between like a roller coaster, which is how I find most people. It's up, down, up, down, up, down. And I think we've kind of created this society where we're constantly stimulated. And because we're so stimulated, we feel unstimulated. We need to get used to being okay, unstimulated. Yeah. Oh, we need more coffee. Oh, we need medications to boost us up. Oh, we need to take stimulants because we're so tired. When really what's happening is our body is just simply overstimulated and that causes fatigue. It causes an overwhelm, just breakdown of everything we do. When we look at adrenal function, we're looking at essentially two different nervous systems, the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system is that fight or flight. I often say if you were in the woods and you're taking a hike and you see a bear, what happens in that moment? You know, your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, you start to panic, you get really honed in and you start running and you don't pay attention to the flowers you run by. You don't even know what direction you're running. You just run, right? And during that time, you don't stop to have sex. You don't stop to eat. You don't digest your food. You just run and you get away from it. And we were built to do that. And it's actually a very efficient system. But our problem is we continue to turn the corner and see another bear. Sometimes there's five bears. Sometimes there's just stuff coming at us. And so what happens is less and less time in that parasympathetic nervous system. I can't remember. Maybe, you know, I, I had looked at the stats at one point. It was like we spend 80 minimum of 80 percent of our time in sympathetic fight or flight when we're supposed to only be spending like 15 to 20 percent of our time in it. So it's no wonder that we have cardiovascular disease, we have diabetes, we have GERD, you know, reflux disease, we have anxiety, we have depression, we have insomnia. Of course, because if you're constantly running from a bear, you can't do any of the maintenance and you're depleting all of your nutrients, vitamin C, B vitamins, minerals. So what you consume doesn't even get absorbed appropriately. And we end up in what I call a hamster wheel of just slow disease development. And to your point, that sure impacts our longevity. So I really do think it's important for us to start to be mindful of how much time are we really spending over here when we should be spending more time over here dancing or doing something that we really want to do. So for the listeners, I know we've talked a little bit about this on the show, but how would one know if they're in fight or flight or not? Because I think sometimes even with my, my story, I had uh, severe tachycardia. And honestly, back then, I mean, now looking back in that moment, of course, I was overstressed, I had way too much on my plate, whatnot. But in the moment, I didn't think I did. You know, I had a great morning seeing patients. I sat down at my desk and all of a sudden I had this super high heart rate and landed me in the ER. Like I was like blind to the fact that I was probably on this sympathetic overdrive in that moment. So how does one know if they are in fight or flight or not? And how do you with your patients kind of test for this adrenal fatigue? You know, for me, one of the big indicators is you have a symptom, you go to the doctor and you're told there's nothing there. You have tachycardia. Oh, your heart's fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, then what's causing it? Oh, well, well, it's fine. You're fine. Okay. This month, maybe we should think about this being a physiological functional response, right? Yes, and I think it takes yes. a lot of self-reflection. Yeah. And I think anytime you don't feel great, you know, I have this, this thing which always drives me crazy is you go to the doctor and let's say you're 50 and they're like, oh, that's normal for 50. And there's like this acceptance that we're supposed to be feeling like crap, like that's normal. And I just can't subscribe to that. I certainly don't expect to feel like I'm 15 when I'm 50, but at the same time, I should feel good. And if I don't, and nobody's telling me why, 
they're just throwing a medication at me and managing the symptom, I think that's a good indication that you should have a full workup. As far as the full workup goes, um, I love biochemistry. Probably my favorite thing. I'm a total dork. And I love to get a full blood workup of the entire endocrine system, lay it all out and balance it next to each other. There is so much information that comes from that. Is the body storing estrogen? What are the DHEA levels? What's the conversion between testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone? Could progesterone be going to cortisol? There's all these little things that happen. Is the thyroid storing? There's all these little things that happen in that interim between health and disease in the body, right? When you can look at that as a holistic picture and really sit down and have a full discussion with your doctor about it, it usually becomes pretty clear as to what's going on. There are all these specialty tests. And I think when people are a little bit newer to evaluating this, they use them. For me, it's been so many years that when I sit down and I look at a full overview and I talk to someone about their symptoms, we usually collectively come to a decision that there might be a little more fight or flight going on than maybe being recognized. The cool part is when you realize what it is, how fast you can remedy it. Mm. I mean, I think we're missing so much education, right? You go into the doctor, oh, your labs are all off. Take care. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. Tell me why. I mean, it's a lot easier to commit to a diet and lifestyle when you know why you're doing it. You know, I could hand someone 20 supplements, but if they don't understand what they're trying to do or what markers we're trying to watch and modify, they're not going to be as compliant, right? So I think addressing this is just having the opportunity to sit with someone who understands it and really have a good powwow about the mental, emotional health and the physical health and how they blend together. I agree. I run a lot of the same lab tests. And once you've been in this long enough, we both have probably been at this over a decade. It's like you can just kind of tell the patient that walks in your office, just probably the majority of them, right? That their adrenals are stressed, whatnot. Can you talk about the difference between someone who has high cortisol and low cortisol? So what would be the difference in those symptoms? Yes, some people fluctuate, but just for the listeners, let's kind of talk about symptoms of high and low cortisol. Yeah. I break it down in stages, stage one, stage two, stage three. So stage one is high, stage two is roller coaster, stage three is on the floor, right? So stage one high, it's the super, let's call it the superwoman phase. You're kicking butt, you're doing everything, you're on top of it, you feel like you're on top of the world, you're in control, you're taking stuff on. Oh, hey, I need this. Oh, I'll do it. You know, you just keep bringing stuff on. You might not be sleeping as well, but you're not necessarily fully exhausted yet. I have seen in more recent years, but I have seen in recent years, a lot of ADD in this stage, a lot of just lack of focus, feeling kind of like you have so much going on. A lot of the times you can get very overwhelmed during the stage because there's just, it's that never ending to do list. Most people I meet by the time they come to me is stage two, because stage one, you feel great. You know, it's it's not until it starts to fluctuate that you go, gosh, I can't really sustain this, can I? What was it my my grandmother used to say, you know, burning the candle at both ends, right? Well, you're good. And then it gets down there and it hits. We spend a lot of time in stage two. I think it takes a lot longer than people think to get to stage three. We go up and down for a while. When you hit stage three, the cortisol is just not pumping out. It's just not. It's it's at a very low level, almost to the point of an adrenal insufficiency. By the time you get there, there's usually a ton of pain, a ton of depression, a ton of weight loss, uh, almost a, a hopelessness. My goal when I went into this and I started recognizing the very strong impact of stress on health is I really have a mission to catch people in stage one. I really want to capture them then. 
um, or the beginnings of stage two, because all of the rest of that can be prevented if you can just recognize, if people can start to recognize how much they're on. Here's a test. Maybe not for you, for your audience, for sure. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? Most people check their phone. Mm. Ah, cortisol. Yep. <laughs> like that's a problem. Dopamine hit. You're hooked to the phone. Before you go to bed, do you check your phone? So when you get home from work every day or whatever you're doing, are you constantly checking your phone? So every time you're doing that, it's your body saying, oh, I need more. I need more. Give me more stimulation. Give me more stimulation. Give me. And it's almost like an addiction. So I usually can tell just from that question alone how stressed out the person is because that in itself causes cortisol irregularity. So taking time for yourself in the morning, waking up, spending time with your family, drinking some water, you know, going outside. Maybe if you drink a cup of coffee or tea, going outside and just sitting. I personally uh, love to listen to music. Some people like it silent and not jump right into that. Go, 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 go. Superwoman. Yeah. Yeah. I hear some of the most, I listen to a lot of podcasts, you probably do as well, but I hear a lot of very successful people just say, I'm not looking at my phone until 10 a.m. or whatnot, but they don't even go there. And I think that takes so much (laughs) self-control, but I see the value in that too. So that can be a charge to our listeners to at least try to push off looking at your phone a half an hour, an hour, try to to push that out. I mean, I think back when we were growing up, when I was in school, my mom would go to work and she'd check her voicemails at work and return her phone calls at work. And then she'd come home and maybe she'd check the answering machine and see if there was anything pending. And then she sat down and had dinner with me. Like, and then, you know, whatever we did for the evening, and then we went to bed. She didn't go back to the office and check her voicemails. And I think, you know, I'm a concierge doctor, right? I'm, I'm accessible. But at the same time, I still set those boundaries. Okay, I check my phone between, you know, 8am and 6pm. And I, I schedule all my stuff during the day. And I think it just comes down to setting a lot of boundaries so that you can actually be more available and more present in your own life, which brings joy, happiness and longevity. Yes. And we're allowing you that uh, we're I, I don't like the word charge. I need to find a different word than charge. But um, we're telling the listeners that it's okay to do that. We're it's recommending totally you okay. <laughs> giving you permission. That's what I was looking for. Giving you permission yeah. to do that. Yeah. So let's talk about how adrenal fatigue is approached by traditional conventional medicine. I think you kind of already said they just say, you're fine. It's not. It's not. I mean, I get pushed back on that all the time. I'll post something. Adrenal fatigue isn't real. Adrenal fatigue isn't real. I'm like, okay, well, if it's not real, then why does 80% of America complain of stress-related fatigue in office visits? I mean, that's a pretty big number. I think fatigue might even be the number one complaint in our country. And if we're not going to do something about that, we're just going to dismiss it. I mean, it's sad. And I think that's where we come in is to really look at where's that interim between health and disease. I've had so many patients go in and have their cortisol tested through urine and they didn't come back with Addison's disease. So all of a sudden they were fine. Yet their cortisol rhythms were all over the place and they felt horrible. You know, to go to a doctor feeling horrible and leave the doctor feeling horrible And then six months later, still feel horrible. And then six months after that, still feel horrible. I can imagine if I hired a plumber to like fix my sink and it was in exactly the same condition a year later, I probably wouldn't rehire them. Good point. You know, I think they need to open up to this opportunity. Now, with that said, I've met so many amazing physicians in the conventional world that absolutely 
believe in adrenal fatigue and treat adrenal fatigue. And I'm so grateful for that because I do think it's changing. Historically, though, it's been pretty much ignored. And I think your audience would probably agree to that. And how many people have gone in and said, I'm just tired. Okay, take care. And that's really, I think, begs the importance of functional medicine. I'm glad that you're feeling like more conventional docs are being maybe more open-minded to this now. But that, again, kind of begs part of my book as far as I kind of describe the difference between conventional medicine and functional medicine. Conventional medicine being more the fire department. They're here to put out big, bad, ugly fires. So if you have Edison's disease, they'll treat you, right? Or if you have a heart attack, they'll treat you. But more of the carpenter approach where we help repair and rebuild the body happens with functional medicine, not with conventional medicine. So let's talk about rebuilding patients' bodies when they have adrenal fatigue. So tell us your process for kind of helping people with adrenal fatigue. Yeah, and it's highly customized, but it essentially comes down to four different areas. One diet, you have to eat a diet that repletes the nutrients being lost by stress. So nutrient-dense food. Now, I'm personally plant-based. People always say, oh, gosh, does that mean I have to go vegan? No, it doesn't mean you have to go vegan. Everybody's body is different. What I'm looking for is, are you eating nutritionally sound food that's replenishing what's being lost? That's what I care about. And does it work for you, right? Number two, there's always an element of exercise we have to get moving. Now, somebody in stage three is probably going to have a different exercise regimen than someone in stage one. But something to consider is often, especially when you're starting to gain some extra weight, you always think that more is better. The more you run, the more you push, the more you... With adrenal fatigue, that's not always the case because you're already in a stimulated state. You're already running from a bear every day. So if you add on more bears, that's not always great. I've had more clients over the years, particularly in stage one and early stage two, that when they actually backed away from exercise and just did strength training, Pilates, yoga, they lost weight after doing CrossFit and, you know, hit and all this for years. That's totally my story. Many of my health issues kind of happened, I would say shortly after I got married and I was trying to get fit. So I was doing CrossFit because I used to be a gymnast and I thought to have any sort of muscle gain, I have to do CrossFit. And it got to the point where I literally could not physically, I pushed my body way too hard, but I got to the point where I couldn't do it. I couldn't even get on a treadmill. My heart rate was so high, even jogging on a treadmill, my heart was going so high. I'm like, what's going on? Why am I so short of breath? It was like, no, your limits. I was, I was pushing myself just way too hard. And so I do tell patients, it's, it's not that you can't do CrossFit. You need to listen to your body, but don't do CrossFit six days a week. Do yoga on some off days, right? Have calming down days if you're going to have some stimulating days and just pay attention to kind of where you're at with adrenal fatigue and, and whatnot. 100% agree. Go back. I interrupted <laughs> you, but you were saying number one, number two, and then let's yeah. go on to three Number four. three is supplement. You know, often we can't replenish some of those nutrients mm -hmm. or we have, you see in the blood work that maybe there's some hormone conversion issues or some liver congestion or things that all inflammation, you know, maybe the immune system has taken a hit from the stress, you know, stress impacts every aspect of our body. And that's what my book goes into is it basically is stress as the core. And then each chapter talks about the top 10 medical conditions in our country and how stress contributes to those or causes them and probably is the most unrecognized factor and untalked about, you know, no one talks about it. So often you go and you customize a supplement approach to that. There's some generals, you know, almost always they're going to have to be on some sort of methylated B vitamin or some sort of C and usually minerals and probiotics. But then often they do have to do extensive liver or hormone support or such as that. Number four is the hardest one, hands down, because anybody can, you know, just follow the, the rules and change their diet, exercise and take supplements. But the hardest part is in the brain to turn off that phone to say no to people, to prioritize yourself, 
to practice gratitude with your body. I think when you're under a lot of stress, it's real easy to be, you know, Debbie Downer. It's easy to look at yourself in the mirror and say, oh, I look horrible. I don't look like I used to. My clothes don't fit. I'm miserable. You know, why can't you be better? Why can't you be like I used to be? And that's just bringing down that energy and keeping you in that fight or flight, that urgent emergency stage of I have to do something as opposed to just saying, okay, I am where I am right now because I'm supposed to be here. And I'm going to now move forward with gratitude and appreciation and positivity to improve my life and improve others' lives. I don't think anyone can argue that when you genuinely give to somebody else in some way, you feel better about yourself. So some of those techniques that I use is writing a gratitude journal. And this could be as simple as uh, I was running late for work today by 10 minutes. And instead of saying, oh, I was late to work, it's like, but I got 10 more minutes with my child at home. And that was great. Taking something and reframing it and turning it positive. I also... That's good. Yeah. it's, It's huge. Yeah. Because it's so easy to pick the negative. And by the way, and if you're on your phone and scrolling social media, there's negative everywhere. And the last couple of years have been absolute testament to that. Just the more negative stuff we're seeing, the more anger we have as a collective unit, the more distress, the more fear, the more anger. And fear and anger don't lead to progress. They keep you in the same spot, right? So sometimes there's a level of acceptance that has to happen and goal setting and gratitude and appreciation to move to the next level. One of my favorite practices is I try to smile at three people a day. Like strangers, Uh, just random people? Yeah. Like I'll go to the grocery store and I'll be in line and someone will be there and I'll just smile at them and say, hi, good morning. And it's funny because often they're caught in their head in that moment. They're thinking about what they're supposed to do next. But I almost break the cycle for them by just saying, hey, how's your day? Good morning. And then they smile back. And then I receive that energy back from them. And usually it doesn't always prompt a conversation, but it usually prompts a, a break in that energy, that, that nervous energy. That's one of my favorite practices that everybody could go do right now or tomorrow morning. So walk in, just say hi to people, especially someone that looks like maybe they need it just to create more community, less stress on them and on you. Beautiful. I want to go back and I... I hope you don't mind. I'm going to ask you a personal question because I don't know you super well. So tell me why you're vegan. I'm just curious. I have had yeah. many vegans on the show and they've kind of given me their response to that. But kind of tell yeah. me your yeah, your reasoning. Well, and I should say I'm not technically vegan because I will still eat honey. So it, um, mine came 100% from a health perspective. When I was a kid, I had horrible stomach aches all the time. Everyone would keep trying to feed me meat. And that's what my family... I grew up in Seattle. We had a lot of fish. I did okay with fish. But anytime someone would give me any red meat, I would take a couple bites and just go Mm. and I would start eating all the vegetables. As I got older and I started to really hone in on what my body was asking for, I just don't feel well when I eat it. And this has been a gradual progression over time. I started by eliminating beef, poultry. I still ate fish and dairy for a while. Cutting out dairy was a huge game changer for me. Huge. My stomach aches went away. My acne went away. My fatigue went away. My bloat went away. I had so many digestive concerns for years that nobody ever asked me about a doctor's visit. So nobody ever said, hey, how often do you go to the bathroom? Ever. If they would have asked me when I was 13, I would have said once every 10 days. Hmm. They, they didn't ask. Right. So I didn't. Tell them. So yeah. then I gradually started eliminating more and started to find that when I eat something that my body doesn't agree with, I have a reaction. So I started to notice that anytime I would eat a meat product, my body would have some sort of reaction and I thrive and have better energy when I lean more towards plant-based foods. So it's been a gradual thing. 
I still will eat honey. Um, if there's an egg in something, you know, if it's a gluten-free cupcake on my son's birthday and it has egg in it, I'm, I seem to do okay with it. But I find sure. if I eat eggs regularly, even, you know, like grass-fed, organic, quality, yeah. I, I start to develop symptoms. So I think it was a result of me just listening to what works for me. I'm very tall. I'm very thin. I'm very active. Blood type A, you know, I am like, my body is like, bring on the plant. Do you have any, I know when I read your bio, obviously you've written several or you have several recipes, like vegan recipes. Would you mind sharing maybe one or two of your favorite uh, recipes, something that you incorporate on a daily basis? Absolutely. And I have all these on my website at drpingle.com. So definitely check that out. I think my favorite meals usually are some sort of bowl because it allows me to kind of look at the macros a little bit. So I'll usually have some sort of grain and I'm gluten-free. So it's usually a quinoa or buckwheat or millet. I love millet. If, if you haven't tried millet, man, oh, I love millet. So I'll usually have a little bit of that and then I'll have a bunch of variety of vegetables. I usually try to have multiple colors. I love sweet potatoes. I love broccoli. I think broccoli is probably my favorite. Sometimes I'll swap up broccolini. You know, I'll throw different like variety of vegetables. And then for a protein, I'll typically do something like a lentil or I'll do garbanzo beans or hummus. And I love nuts and seeds. So I pile nuts and seeds onto everything. And sometimes it's hot. I'll do different types of sauces. I think the key to vegan cooking or to plant-based cooking and this may extend into meat cooking as well, is the sauce. It's the flavoring, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and it's finding different and creative ways to make sauce. So I use a lot of ginger. I use a lot of cayenne. I use a lot of cardamom. I'm really a fan of Southern Indian cooking where it's just warm. Ayurvedically, it's just very warm food. That works really well for me. It keeps my digestion going. It keeps me full of energy. With that said, my husband's completely the opposite, right? So everyone is so unique and so different. And I think... If I can get a client to start to listen to what their body's asking for and feeding that, that's where I see the success. But some of my favorite recipes on my website, my sweet potato enchiladas, love those. I personally eat organic non-GMO tofu. That's kind of a taboo area. Some people sure. say yes, some people say no. Really, for me, it comes down to balance. I'm trying to think of another one. I have a vegan we can go to tart. your we can go to your website. They're on your website. Yeah, I yeah. just thought I'd ask. Yeah. And I also yeah. ask. The bowls are the easiest because they're quick totally. and you can prep them ahead of time and you it's just whatever you have on hand, you know? Yeah. And once you get that all laid out and you kind of have a general five different sauces you could use, you can take the same bowl and make it Mexican, Indian, Asian. Like you can change the flavorings in it and make it a completely different meal. And I think that's probably why bowls are my go-to. Could you be missing out on magnesium? If you aren't already taking magnesium, you likely should be. Our deficient food sources, caffeine consumption, stress, and exercise rob us of magnesium, which is an important cofactor for hundreds of processes in the body. It can calm your mind and ease your nerves to help you sleep at night and help reduce anxiety, PMS, and headaches. It can relax your muscles when you have cramps, your bowels when you're constipated, and it's required for energy, hormone production, and vitamin D absorption. If you're interested in exploring more about how magnesium can help support you living a longer, healthier life and the exact type of magnesium supplement to look for, check out my blog post, The Magnificence of Magnesium, found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash blog. And use code magnesium for 10% off our magnesium chelate product at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the episode. And if you're listening and you choose to eat meat, organic meat, hopefully, right, you can easily add in some lamb, some beef, whatnot, right, to those bowls easily. Yeah. So here's another question. 
have you always been so positive or do you, did you used, cause you do, you strike me as that person who would smile at me at Hy-Vee. Like you're that person <laughs> at the grocery store. Sorry. If you're not from Iowa, you don't know what Hy-Vee is. That's our grocery store. Have you always been this way? Is this in your blood or did the kind of losses and the struggles you've gone through? Right. And you kind of having that adrenal fatigue, whatnot, kind of flip a switch in you that turned you more positive. What'd you say? Both. I think when I was a child, I was very wide eyed, very happy, very charismatic type personality. And I think the loss, the struggles, the pain, the grief took me down, took me down to where I wasn't really myself. I was just going through the motions. I kind of felt like, I don't know, not so severe as that I wouldn't have taken my life to anything to that extent, but something of just why move forward? Like if everything's falling down, why keep doing this? And what's the point type attitude? And I think I had that for a little while and I lost the spark in my eyes. And when I look at pictures from that time and I compare it to now, you can, it's gone. Like the sparkle that I have refound, it was completely gone. And I think that experience and coming out of that is what has made me positive. And it was a huge tragedy that did that. And I don't think I would have come out of it if I wouldn't have lost my mom and I wouldn't have gone through that horrible grief. I don't think I would have appreciated so much of what I had and where I'm at and what my health is. And I watched her. I went through cancer with her and and watched her decline and when she was maybe about a month before she passed, I said, Hey, mom, do you have any regrets? And she said, you know what I regret the most? And I said, what? She goes, worrying about those stupid 10 pounds. How much time have I wasted? And I thought, God, you know, that's a really good point. She said, I'd give anything to have that 10 pounds right now because she had wasted down to about 80 pounds. She was five foot 10, had no muscle mass and, you know, passed a few weeks after that. So I do think there was some, they always say with great loss and great tragedy comes amazing opportunity and change. And I 100% believe in that. So I would say I'm now like I was when I was a kid. Yeah. Walking <laughs> now I'm like, yeah, let's yeah. dance, let's live each moment because guess what? I could wake up tomorrow and not be here. And I think that's become so real to me with losing everybody, how precious life is and how short time actually is and that we really have no control over it outside of just living every day to its fullest. Uh, Amen. Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) This is a great show. Before we wrap it up, though, I want to go back and spend a little bit of time on supplements because you very briefly kind of flew through those when you're saying, you know, one, two, three, and four. Let's go back to what supplements, right, you heavily use for these patients who are really suffering, right? Because you're saying, Um, stress depletes nutrients. So which ones do you commonly supplement with your patients? Let's spend a little bit of time there. And talk about herbs too. You're a naturopath. So let's talk about top herbs. Yeah. Yeah. We've got herbal and we've got nutritional. So on the herbal side, I (laughs) I use blends because when you're working with herbs, they very rarely work just by themselves. They have a very balancing action to them. So for example, I love ashwagandha because you can put ashwagandha in balance with rhodiola or ginseng and ginseng won't be as stimulatory, but it will help with the adrenal gland. So there's some balancing going on. Um, I will say ashwagandha is a nightshade. Some people are allergic to nightshades. A lot of people don't know that. They start taking a, an adrenal herb blend and they feel horrible. So I do want to point that out. Some of the herbs that I use in the evening to calm cortisol, help you sleep, better focus is I use amino acids, such as this is a mouthful for your audience. I'll break it down slow. Phosphatidylserine. Phosphatidylserine. Um, and L-theanine, which are both amino acids. And usually I combine those with things like bacopa, ashwagandha, 
those are some of the general ones. And then there's also blends you can take in the morning that kind of wake your adrenal glands up, which would be more along the lines of rhodiola, ginseng, sometimes licorice. I still put ashwagandha in there. Yeah, those are the basics. I mean, they kind of vary a little bit. On the nutrient side, you deplete B vitamins hands down with stress. And B vitamins are used in pretty much anything that has to do with metabolism, <laughs> breaking down fats, breaking down proteins, breaking down creation of energy. So B vitamins, and I'm very specific that they need to be methylated. Mm-hmm. It's a whole nother show to talk about MTHFR, but I have MTHFR mutations. My family had them. I'm pretty sure that's how my dad passed um, of cardiovascular disease because nobody paid attention to that mutation. So I'm very um, big on methylated vitamins. Vitamin C, very important for the adrenal glands and any other sort of antioxidant. So that could be in the form of herbal, could also be in the form of using N-acetylcysteine, which is an amino acid to go make more glutathione selenium, zinc, and definitely magnesium. Magnesium depletes like crazy under stress. So minerals, B vitamins, vitamin C, herbs. And then as always, there is a huge link between the brain and the gut. So I always like a really good probiotic in there and make sure that gut flora is good. Those would be the main ones. And then I tweak from there. If they're having, if they're going through menopause or, or they're having menstrual issues, there might be some additional liver support over there. I do take personally a really good liver support every night. I feel much better when I do. I have better energy. I feel like I digest things better. So I always think it's great for general health, but it doesn't necessarily always relate to adrenal fatigue directly. Awesome. Good summary. Okay. Well, tell us, I read a little bit about uh, this in your bio, but where can listeners find you? drpingle.com is a great start. It has all of my um, handles on there. Definitely Instagram and TikTok. I do a little bit more dancing than on Facebook, but definitely check that out. But drpingle.com. Awesome. Awesome. And last but not least, what is your top longevity tip? Reduce your stress and prioritize yourself. Did you hear that listener? Say that again. Say it one more time. (laughs) Reduce your stress and prioritize yourself prioritize your health. You have to. You don't have a choice. Otherwise, you're going to just keep getting stepped on and get farther and farther down the chain and it'll be harder and harder to come back up. So you actually do have a choice. I'm going to correct you. You do have a choice. You can do nothing. And then what you said will happen, right? Your health will deteriorate. But yeah, we always have a choice. And that's that's actually a great point you bring up. We always have a choice. Like you could go into the grocery store and not smile at someone. That's your choice. But you won't have as good of a day than if you do. (laughs) do it doctor's orders that's great thank you so much today for coming on the show and sharing how important it is for us to recognize how stressed we really are to put that cell phone down really teaching us to set boundaries teaching us what we can do about adrenal fatigue so thank you for sharing your story and coming on the show thank you so much for having me i had a great time I agree with all of Dr. Pingle's tips. I'd encourage you to check out her social media. She's hilarious. She literally mixes hip hop dances with health tips. And I'd also love it if each of you would smile at three people today. I think it would do them and your adrenals some good. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. 
This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.